Welcome to Podcraft, honing the art of podcasting. The bite-sized show that covers one topic in depth each series. Your complete podcasting guide. Podcraft brings the pieces together so you don't have to. And now your host, Colin Gray. Hey folks and welcome to series four of Podcraft. We're back again after the last series. Had a great series in series three. I hope you were listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We were talking about how to create a great home for your podcast on the web. That is how to create a great WordPress website perfectly set up for podcasting. So by all means you can go back and view that again if you missed it. You can get that at podcraft.net forward slash series three. But here on Series 4, we're moving on. We're moving on to something a bit less technical now, something a bit more content related, and that is planning and delivering your podcasting content. So this arose from a few questions I've had recently, and something that maybe uh, explains a little bit of a trend in podcasting recently, I think. I used to always just get questions really about equipment. So the main thing that I've always talked about in the past is equipment. It's always the big thing that people have had questions about in general. And it was what I talked about at the UK podcasting conference in August as well, um, about how to choose your equipment, how to graduate from beginner's equipment up to the more advanced stuff. But it looks like people are moving on a little bit. It looks like t- equipment is becoming a bit more transparent, possibly a bit less important. Well, I wouldn't say that actually. It's still important. Equipment is definitely always going to be important. But as we know, uh, as content producers, it's the content itself is the important thing. It's making sure that what you're delivering to your audience is focused, is targeted to what they want, and it's delivered in a really engaging way. So that's what we're going to talk about on this series. So the types of things we're going to cover are uh, planning your podcast in the first place. So having a bit of a strategy around what your podcast is going to be about. Uh, So that includes who you're talking to, what the aims are for you and your podcast. All of this, knowing, uh, knowing all of that, knowing the strategy for your podcast means that your content is just going to be so much more focused and it's going to be so much more interesting to those certain people that you are talking to, i.e. your target audience. So it's a really important thing to go through at the start. Uh, next on we're going to go into presenting so how to actually present that content how to tell a story through your podcast how to interview people how to make sure that your speaking skills are up to the task of actually uh, doing justice to the content you're creating Uh, and we're also going to look in there as well about how to go about sourcing content so how to go about getting episode ideas on a daily basis so it's all the things around actually putting together um, the podcast in the first place and then delivering good content week in week out so i hope that'll be of interest to you now i just want to say that um, might sound like it's uh, a little bit aimed towards beginner podcasters, especially the strategy and planning stuff. Might be that you've been podcasting for years now and you think you've got the planning, the strategy and all that kind of stuff all down. But what I would say is that it's never too late to think about your strategy. It's never too late to think about what your the aims of your podcast are, what your target audience is and how you can better target your content towards that audience. So I'll think about personas and that type of thing. So I would say definitely worth having a listen to them. 
And that leads me on to this week's episode, and that is with Mark Asquith. So I had a chat with Mark Asquith, who's from the Excellence Expected podcast. He has um, a lot of experience around marketing. He runs his own agency um, around digital and online. So he has tons of experience around creating businesses, helping businesses um, to deliver online and um, create a content strategy uh, and basically attract in a lot of customers. So he's transferred that to the podcasting space in the last few months with his Excellence Expected podcast. So I wanted to see how how he had used all of his marketing, all his strategy experience to make sure that his podcast got off to a good start. And I hope you'll get a lot out of this. I think we get a lot of insights into how you can strategize a podcast, how you can make sure you're getting off on the right foot. And again, I think this counts just as much for experienced podcasters as beginner podcasters. It's never too late to think about that strategy. It's never late, too late to take a pivot, do something a bit different, maybe start a new series. Not, not a whole new series as such, but the series in the way that I do them. So as in start series two of your podcast in a different way, maybe more focused or even just a little bit more subtle. Don't change the series, but... Just change how you're delivering your content, how you're targeting what you're doing. Uh, And I think that your listeners will enjoy it. So that's enough for me anyway at the start of this. Just to say, tune in for the next episode as well, because we have the great John Lee Dumas from the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast coming on to talk to us about delivery. So no one has delivered probably as many uh, podcasts in as short a space of time as that man, um, doing them every single day for the last few years. Uh, so he's going to talk about how to actually go about planning the delivery of those episodes. And that's something that I think you'll really enjoy. Just before I go into the interview, as always, I'd love to get some feedback from you guys. Uh, so please do let me know what you think of this episode in particular. Just go to podcraft.net forward slash 401 and you can find the show notes there. Uh, just leave a comment at the bottom of the page there. Also leave a comment about what you would like covered in future around presenting and planning. I'd love to know what you want uh, what you want in this series. I've got plenty of plans myself obviously but I'd love to pivot and uh, do a few things covered by the listeners. And obviously if you have any tips yourself it'd be great to leave them on the website too. You can either leave them in the comments or send me an email at the contact page on podcraft.net or leave me a voicemail. That'd be great if I get some voicemails and I can include some other voices on the podcast. You can do that via the uh, the voicemail button, which you'll find on the side of the website at podcraft.net. And as always, if you have a moment, if you could leave me an iTunes review, I would really appreciate it. It really helps to get this podcast out to more people. So just pop over to podcraft.net and you'll see an iTunes link on the right. Click that and it'll take you to the listing in iTunes where you can leave that review. But anyway, this time around, we've got Mark Asquith. I hope you enjoy the chat we had. I certainly did uh, take as many insights from it as uh, I certainly got. So enjoy. The podcast host, honing your skills. Get your free equipment buyer's guide at thepodcasthost.com forward slash kit. Get the right equipment. First time. So thanks very much for coming on the podcast, Mark. It's my pleasure, Colin. Thanks so much for having me. So, Mark, you're the host of the Excellence Expected podcast, aren't you? I am indeed, sir. Yes, that's that's right. It's a relatively new podcast, actually. It's been running since, actually launched on International Podcast Day in 2014. So that was a quite a momentous occasion in my own life. <laughs> Excellent stuff. <laughs> so what's the podcast about? What's your, uh, what's your aim with Excellence Expected? Well, Excellence Expected, really, it's, it's aimed at business owners, Colin, and, and entrepreneurs, and, and people that are really on the coalface actually running their day-to-day businesses. And it's really 
it sort of sets itself apart from, I guess, a lot of the other inspirational podcasts out there in that same niche, in that it's really set up to tackle specific problems. So every episode is topic-led. We cover a specific topic that business owners struggle with, and each episode also features an expert in that field giving their own story, a bit of diagnosis of the problem. But the real big thing is at the end of the episode, it's really all about actionable takeaways, things that people can implement to overcome that problem right at the very end of that episode, actually. So it's really specific, aimed at people on the core face of business. Great stuff. That's uh, That kind of leads right into why, uh, well, me explaining why we've got you on, actually. Um, as everyone that's listening knows, this is the first episode of Series 4, which is all around uh, planning and delivery. And I thought it'd be great to get you on just because you've got, just gone through the process um, of launching your podcast, essentially. So it's the whole planning process around um, defining what your podcast is, what your format is, um, deciding on how you're going to launch it, and then actually how you go about the launch process itself. So that's what it'd be great to have a wee chat around today. Oh, absolutely. It's such a challenging process as well. You know, you you never really, I don't think, realize how much, the, just how much there is to do. Uh, so yeah, that, that was quite an interesting interesting topic, actually, Colin. Great stuff. Cool. Okay. Um, so let's start at the start then. How did you come up with any, the idea for the for the topic? What what was the kind of inspiration behind it all? That is a, that's a question that stymies me out of the blocks. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, to be honest, I, I, just like everyone probably listening out there, I was a big consumer of podcasts and I've actually only really been into podcasts uh, for about the last year, thanks to another one that I'm the co-host of, uh, a geek culture podcast. And that kind of wet my appetite for this. And I thought, well, I really need to dig into this whole podcasting game and just see what else is out there because it's really it's really a good way of consuming content and that kind of tallied in with a time in my life that I was I was very busy at my own business. I run a design agency called DMSQD and that's a very busy design agency and it I kind of I guess I lost a little bit of passion for it because it was the the daily rigmarole it, it wasn't necessarily the 9 to 5 but I was working so many hours and realizing that actually I'd lost a bit of enjoyment for that and I'd, I, I identified that as being because really I had nothing to focus on that was my own. You know, I was doing a lot of work for the studio, which is fantastic and I love it to bits, but personally it wasn't satisfying the urges that I had to just develop something and create something. Um, so the podcast really came about on holiday uh, in June 2014. I was sat there listening and thinking, well, what can I do? People do ask me various things about business and you know a lot of them I'm not an expert in and some of them I am some of them I'm not so the idea really stemmed from that how can I really give something back? how can I help people how can I allow people to learn from me without me needing to become an expert in everything and that's where the idea of the topical expert-led chats came from really Colin. Great so yeah so it sounds almost like it's a little bit of a learning exercise for you as well. Oh massively massively I mean the format of the show I really toyed with so many different variations of it. And, you know, we'll talk about this in a second, but it, it's, it was a case of, look, how do I do this? Is it a solo show? I mean, I'd never really podcasted on my own. And I'd always been in bands. I, I'd always not really been that nervous of public speaking, but sat in front of a microphone. You know what it's like yourself, Colin. It's yeah. so difficult <laughs> to talk to yourself, isn't it? Um, so I sort of decided that, right, the interview format has to be the way to go. And, that's when I started planning, really. So I, I, I sort of dived onto Trello. I'm a big fan of Trello. Created all of these different boards, different cards for the show, and really broke it down. Figured out what I needed to 
figure out what, what I needed to plan for, the branding, the website, how I was going to name it, what the format of the episodes were going to be, yeah. pulling up a list of people I wanted to contact and really trying to get ahead in front of that so I wasn't recording on the Saturday for a Monday release, yeah, which is yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. So, all right, that's great. Let's jump back to the topic then. So, obviously, it was our own business. You're in your own, your own business um, and your aim was... Am I right in thinking your aim was mainly just to bring out as many topics as you can that will help your average small businessman? Exactly that, yeah. And not even just small business. I mean, the, the, the largest portion of listeners, of course, are small business. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that we have on there. I mean, we, we spoke to Doug Richard. We've got uh, a few New York Times bestselling authors. We've got uh, John, John Lee Dumas. He's booked on that. I know you've, you've spoken to. Uh, and it's it's all very interesting because some of these things do apply to big business as well. It just depends actually on the problem. Um, so it's very, very much problem led, find the problem and try and solve that for people. And yes, the main audience is small business, but we do get some CEOs and some big business, especially in the tech side of things, really tuning in and buying into that. Yeah. Great. Just to play slight devil's advocate, just from the point of view of making uh, our listeners think about it. Uh, do you find, I mean that you could argue that's quite a large niche, it's quite a wide-ranging topic. Do you find that it's easy enough to place yourself, to position yourself in the market as just a general business podcast? What What do you think the pros and cons of that are? I think, yeah, absolutely. There is definitely a, um, a potential issue there. And the thing that I kind of wanted to do was, I don't think I would have had enough content for anything more specific because of the nature of the show and the way that I wanted to help business people. I think if I'd have niched down any further, it would have been very difficult to keep up the content and actually make the content relevant and decent. You know, I could have waffled on and repeated myself and revisited things, and that that would have served me well. But in my own mind, that kind of it would have been doing a disservice to the listeners, really. So, absolutely, it is a little broad. But I think the pros to that, of course, are that each episode is allowed to breathe it allows to stand on its own merits so for example we've spoken about pay-per-click with people from wordstream we've spoken about seo from um one of the biggest experts in in the uk we've spoken about facebook we've spoken about becoming a manager of people instead of a business owner and there's so many different topics that actually the show itself is almost secondary it's more around the episodes what can i take from each individual episode and uh, you know the listeners certainly from the, the trends that seem to be appearing in the listenership, they dip from episode three to episode six as opposed to listen chronologically because the topics are related. Um, so it's a really interesting problem, actually. And it's something that, yes, I do need to be mindful of, but I, I am convinced that the, the episodes will stand on their own, I think. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, I don't think the the business niche particularly is bad for that because you have people who run a bit. It's one of the... One of those areas of work where people are complete generalists, aren't they? People that run a business, they have to know a bit of this, bit of that, bit of everything, essentially. So it's, it's one. I think it's one of the niches you can get away with being a lot more general than others. But I think I just think it's worth um, it was just worth pointing out. Just I think I often talk about in the strategy, like I did a strategy podcast in series one, where I talked about trying to niche down as much as possible. But that's obviously just thinking about your positioning in the market, who your target audience is, but you've obviously got a really good solid thought about who your target audience is. So you've got your CEOs that run a business, so you've got small business owners. So I think that sounds, yeah, I mean, that sounds really sensible. 
I think the, the the interesting thing about the niche is everything that you said there, to be honest, Colin, is everything that I advocate as well. I always <laughs> advise people yeah. to niche right down and then here I am booking the trend. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a practice what you preach thing. But I totally agree. I entirely agree. And I think when you look at things like iTunes categorizations as well, that does sometimes make it quite difficult to yeah. really niche down. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be keen on your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's one of the big complaints with iTunes, isn't it? The fact that their categorization is pretty vague. It's very hard to fit in, especially absolutely. if you're doing a podcasting podcast like me, where everyone in the podcasting niche is basically people who think that the podcasting topic or category, I should say, means any podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, of so, course. <laughs> so I, I'm, the, the, the top person in my category is always uh, Joe Rogan, which is, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing well to be beating him in the, uh, in the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think you're, the main point there is you've been purposeful about it, haven't you? So you've chosen your niche, um, whether it's a, a really specific thing or whether it's a broad one, you've been deliberate about it. You're, you know who you're talking to. I think that's the important thing. Absolutely. And that's when it comes to strategizing and planning the uh, when it comes to planning the show out. It's one of the most vital things I think you can do. And obviously you you speak about it a lot. Um, And I think the listeners out there are probably aware of the importance of it. But it's sometimes difficult to figure out what to do, Um, especially if I guess I was quite lucky because I come from a marketing background. So to me, it was kind of second nature. But that whole process of creating personas for your listeners and figuring out the niche, figuring out even their potential listening habits do they listen at the gym do they listen on the commute you know this is really important and the interesting thing is that that drives a lot of decisions that you make about your show so the length of the show well if someone's training at the gym perhaps they've got an hour to listen to it but if they're commuting yeah mm, they've perhaps only got 30 minutes it's really quite important to just figure out who that specific listener is and really paint that picture in your own mind of, of what they look like so you can really talk to them yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It it makes it so much easier, doesn't it? It makes you, it, it takes away a lot of the decision making because you just know who you're talking to. You know what your aim is. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and I mean, on the odd occasion that I do the solo show, uh, I don't really do many, but now and again I will do. For example, if I've been at a conference and I want to review that and I've taken some insights from it that I think the listeners could benefit from, I am constantly sat in front of the microphone having and this is going to sound very odd, having a very <laughs> a very bizarre imaginary one-sided conversation with my persona, with the person that I am pitching at. And in my mind, that's one of our clients. It's one of one of the clients at the studio who I know listens to the podcast. So I picture talking to him and it's, it's yeah, certifiable probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly it. That's, yeah, we've, I've heard that talked about many places. That's why I've talked about it too. It's just, that's how you can do a solo podcast. A lot of people struggle with that. Like, how do you how do you speak by yourself? But it's it's exactly that. Just like you say, you, you imagine who you're talking to and talk to them, directly talk to them. Imagine they're literally on the other end of the line. And that's that's exactly it. It's, <laughs> yes, it is. It's, uh, it takes some getting used to. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so that takes us on to the format then. You just mentioned the format. How did you, you mentioned already that part of the reason for choosing interviews for a start, that's one of your, for, well, part of your format, I guess, was that, um, you wanted to bring other expert opinions in areas that you didn't know to help you develop yourself as well, but which you could add stuff to, I guess. Um, what about the rest of it? So you've got interviews. It sounds like you're also going for uh, tasks, actionable stuff. Can you talk about how you sort of decided? Do you have a specific structure for every episode? Yes, definitely. I have. It's not a specific flow, but there are certain key sections that we open with. So when I was defining this, um, I'll talk about the decision to make make it an interview format for a moment to start with. 
uh, and then move on to the actionable Perfect. flow yeah. side of things. Uh, so, yeah, the interview format was interesting. And, and there are two reasons for that. One of them is very altruistic and one of them is wildly selfish. <laughs> so the first one, the altruism, comes in from the fact that these guys are experts. They are people that know so much about any given topic that they are being interviewed on that the value that they bring to the listeners is just so much more than I could do on my own. So that's really the altruistic side, and it really does work. But the selfish side, in podcasting, we are all here to build listeners, and it's much easier to leverage the power of other people's audiences. So all of my experts have several thousand followers on Twitter, or they are very specifically niched so that it will help the podcast break into a specific niche area. Um, and that was the reason, really, for putting those those interviewee formats together, so that, one, I could bring extra value and actually really good quality content to the listeners, but also that I could pick up on the fact that they'll want to promote themselves and really, as a by-proxy, promote the show. Yeah. Um, so that's the interview format decision. The decision around the actionable tips and the flow of the the, the show was... It was bizarre, actually, because it was quite difficult to come up with the flow, but it actually came together on its own as a natural course of conversation. And after the first couple of episodes, I realized that actually I'd developed a format without realizing I'd developed one. Um, the only thing that I had set out was that at the end of the episode, I wanted actionable takeaways. So whatever the problem was, whatever the challenge or the mountain that people were trying to climb was, at the end of that episode, there were at least three good quality actionable tips that people could implement the very same day around that topic. And the rest of it kind of flowed from that, really. It sort of flowed backwards. So we, we know that we were finishing with the actionable tips, which meant that we had to previously diagnose the problem and explain some of the mindsets around it and the impact of it, the symptoms. But actually, to be able to talk with any kind of authority about that, we had to take a step back and explain to people who this person was I was interviewing, why they're an authority, and why, frankly, why we can trust them. Turning that on its head, that became the flow, the introduction, the welcome to the guest, a little bit of background about what they do, where they came from, diagnosis, symptoms, problems, impact of the actual issue, and then the takeaway tips at the end. Great. I think that's really good. So you've... I mean, the the idea about it developing itself is really great, I think, for a start, because a lot of people wonder about how you plan that in. And I, I, I have talked about in the past planning a little bit of a format initially, but I think that I would say in the first 10 episodes, just do what you like, just actually get it out there. You know, you can take advantage of the fact that not many people are listening to you, so you can develop your voice, you can develop your format. And that sounds like you've gone through a really great process and finding something that really works for you. I think the, the single... The single piece of advice that I give to people wondering about the format, because it's it's very difficult to, to launch, isn't it? You know, people yeah. get this launch paralysis and you're opening yourself up to this negativity and any criticism that's out there. For every 5,000 people that really like it, the one that doesn't like it, we will listen to. It's always the way of human nature. And you're absolutely right. I love the idea of being able to just plan it and kind of just find your feet a little bit. But the one piece of advice I would give is just figure out what the listeners or what you would like the listeners to take from every single episode. In my case, it was the actionable tips. Whatever that might be, it might be different on an episode-by-episode basis, or it might be the same type of takeaway every single episode. Just figure out what that is, and kind of the rest of the flow will just fit as you naturally talk around that. 
<laughs> Brilliant. I, I think that's great, actually. I think that could be our actionable tip for the, for this episode, actually. Yeah, like actionable that. tips. We should write that down. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I think because of the context in which people listen to con- uh, podcasts, i.e. they're out maybe driving about, commuting, walking, whatever, they're always distracted. And it's quite easy to listen to a podcast while you're out and about, move on to the next one and completely and utterly forget everything you heard in that podcast, no matter how good that podcast was. I think it's if if things aren't, if the points aren't driven home at the end, the things that people can take away, the things that people should go and do straight away afterwards, if that's not drilled in at the very end, I think it's really easy to forget about it, more so than if you're reading a blog post or similar. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, most of my own podcast listening comes when I'm doing something else. So it's yeah. almost passive listening. Yeah. And one thing I would say about that, actually, I, I strategically chose my music uh, and the placement of my actionable tips because people are distracted. I'm distracted. And I realize that I, I, I'm sort of a geek. Well, I'm not sort of a geek. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge geek. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to listen to a lot of Kevin Smith's Batman podcast. I'm a massive sure. Batman fan. And the thing that I realized is as I'm working away at the studio, I'm driving, I'm not really hearing it. And there was nothing to bring me back into that show. So what I did when I was creating Excellence Expected was I had some music, a piece of music that I wrote for a band I was in years ago, and I took the rip-roaring, shredding guitar intro from that, Yeah, sure. popped it at the beginning, and popped it at the end immediately after the actionable takeaway section. So that even if people were distracted, this shredding, this kind of rock music, made people realize they were listening to something and actually skip back and figure out what they missed. So that that was kind of a planned out scenario, and uh, I don't know if it's working. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that idea. That's really good, actually. That's really nice. Um, obviously, not everyone has the uh, the skills or the the, te- the technique to uh, make their own music. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it was just something genuinely. This sounds really cliche, but I did have it lying around. But there's some fantastic yeah. ones on Audio Jungle, as you know. So yeah, you can uh, you can pick them up off there. That'd be great, actually, just to get onto that launch process now, which includes that type of stuff. So the technicals, the logistics of actually putting your episodes together. So we've got our format, we've got our topic, we've got our persona, so we know who we're talking to. So that basically takes care of the content, I would say. Um, the next steps would be actually getting out there. So how do you actually plan in the the launch process in terms of how many shows? Uh, what Actually, I'm going to break this down because I'm about to ask you about 10 questions all at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, the technical part, so the music and stuff like that. Do you think you need title music, uh, sound effects? How much production do you think you need in the early days? I think that's a balancing act for people. I think if people are technically savvy and they have the will to do that, then I think it's valuable. However, if you don't have the will to do it or it's a steep learning curve, then don't worry about it because it will stop your launch. You know, it will stop you. Everything else may be perfect in your eyes about your show because you know you've got the tone of voice. You know you've got the great content. If that's the weak link in your armor, you will be forever fretting about it. So if you have the desire, if you have the technical skill, by all means, use the intro music and edit that in. If you don't, don't worry too much about it. Just get the podcast out and add the intro music later. Totally agree. That's great. Yeah, I think that a lot of the time, actually, people put the music in before they've even really figured out the tone of their show. They don't even really know their format. Like you say, you you develop the format a little bit over the first few episodes. And I think that the music should reflect that kind of stuff. I think you should get an idea of what your show is going to be like, the tone, the whether it's more informal, for all that kind of stuff. That's going to develop over your first few episodes, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And getting that tonality across everything is 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 so important. I listen to several podcasts, and when you when you compare Excellence Expected with its rip roaring, high impact, actionable take, excuse me, actionable takeaways, 
with something like uh, Sparks Press from Stevie Puckett, which is a fantastic chilled out podcast but the music and the tone and everything is so different but it all fits together if if you took my theme music with Stevie's tone it would be it would be a car crash but it works where it works you know yeah what about uh, editing do you do much in the way of editing for your episodes I do it all actually I yeah. wish I didn't because <laughs> it, <laughs> it's the one thing that I spend a lot of time on and I would I would say to anyone out there that um, I'm a big believer in before you can outsource something which I eventually will do before you outsource something, you need to understand the process so that you can advise and you can you can help and you can actually brief people properly on what you expect from their own services. Um, so yeah, I use Audition. Uh, I did use GarageBand and I have used Audacity in the past, all pretty much of a muchness, but Audition for the price of 15, I think it's about £15 per month, um, the, the flexibility that that gives for podcasting I think is fantastic. And the learning curve is really, really shallow. It's not difficult for anyone that can use a computer great what about how much editing you do do you do you tend to chop your episodes up a lot or do you try and keep them quite natural Uh, very natural actually i I rarely cut things so that my process is i have a template uh, and i have toyed with going kind of um fully live mixed minus on this one but i don't think i will do so we'll not touch upon that so at, at the minute what i have is a template set up in audition which has got all of my intro music my intro voiceover all the fades for those kind of uh, effects in there and then basically whether it's a face-to-face interview um, or whether it's a skype call what i do is then simply just drop both sides of the conversation in between basically between the intro and the outro music figure out where the outro needs to sit and give it a little bit of massaging and uh, and that's it perfect <laughs> yeah great so that's like kind of minimal editing but um make sure the quality's good puts in your music all that kind of stuff but makes it sustainable doesn't it when you do it like that oh that's the key thing as well and it's it's making it sustainable it's vital you know we've all started blogs or we've all seen blogs that have fallen by the wayside we've got to be able to create ourselves um we, well when we create a new podcast or a new blog or anything like that we need to find a pace of change for, that suits ourselves we can't just dive into this with five episodes a week if we can't find the time to do that so yes the pace of change is vital to that we've got to make it sustainable i like that phrase pace of change is that something you've made up yourself i think it's i don't think it's something i made up but it's something i advocate I yeah certainly don't think i've made it up <laughs> no actually nice that concept actually just around figuring out yeah how often you want to release um on that actually we didn't cover that in terms of the format how you you do a weekly show don't you yes and what made you decide that well I'm, I actually want to do more than a weekly show. I'm a big fan of what John does over on Entrepreneur on Fire. I think that seven-day-a-week broadcast is fantastic. And I actually wanted to do a five-day-a-week. I had this big idea around one topic, having a life cycle of a week and having one main show on the Monday. And I will be implementing this next, actually, as a bit of a phase two. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week, being feedback from other industry experts. So I may be talking about time management on a Monday mm-hmm. with one particular guest. On a Tuesday, you may give me a three-second, sorry, three-minute soundbite on how you deal with it. On the Wednesday, it may be someone else. On the Thursday, someone else. And really giving a topic a life cycle of a week. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of forced into the weekly because I will be implementing that later on. Um, in terms of deciding how to get to that for the listeners out there thinking about this, my advice would just be, don't worry about what's right or wrong, because there is no right or wrong. Just do what you can consistently do without compromising any quality. So if you can launch five days a week, 
all well and good. If you can only release once a month, all well and good. The beauty of it is that the listeners will become conditioned to your release schedule. So really, do what suits you, and, and as you said earlier, Colin, do what is sustainable. Yeah, that's great. I think you're totally right. The people will go with... If you do fortnightly, then that's absolutely fine. If you do monthly, that's absolutely fine. It's just as long as that's what's expected, and as long as you keep it consistent, then you're all good, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. It, it, the vital thing is not to miss any episodes. And one of the things that I'd like to just mention at this point is the biggest thing that I did to allow me to keep this up is get way in front of it. So I'd started recording Excellence Expected before I even knew the format of it, and I was kind of blagging the first two or three episodes. I'd started recording prior to having a brand, having a website, started recording prior to anything really. The only thing that I did do is I approached about 20 guests, very fortunately got most of them on board, and I recorded two weeks solid of interviews and ended up, as we speak, I have enough interviews to last until about April 2015 uh, <laughs> on a weekly schedule. Sure. I mean, guests come up all of the time that I slot into that schedule. I juggle them about. They're not on a set release schedule, but get out in front of that because the minute you take a holiday, the minute that you're ill and you can't produce something, that's when you start to lose the listeners. So really get out in front of that. Do some planning early on and it'll really benefit you. Excellent. That's funny because we've got, um, you mentioned John Lee Dumas, obviously, and we've got him on uh, later in the series talking about that very thing, the planning, the fact that he always stays 30 to 45 days ahead. So obviously he's a daily show, so that's a lot of episodes ahead. Probably similar to your, uh, what's that, about five months actually if you're doing a weekly show. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's great advice. And I, I know John, I think when he started out, he had 40 episodes in the can before he even launched, which is yeah. it's so good, so good to be able to do that because it takes the pressure off. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, he, he says that if he gets under his 30 days, then he starts uh, getting a little bit twitchy, <laughs> <laughs> getting a bit close to the line. But no, that's brilliant. Actually, that's great on your uh, your pace of change ideas. That's that's excellent. Um, I think that's probably the key thing because a lot of people go out uh, on a weekly basis just because that's what they think everyone else does, and like you say, they think that that's the right thing to do. But yeah, it's great to get away from that. If you if it's not sustainable for you, then it's not going to work. Yeah, you can't make it a burden for yourself. It has to be something that you enjoy. The minute the minute it becomes unenjoyable and you feel like you have to deliver content, that's the time that you know you've got your scheduling wrong. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so we're getting close to uh, time now, I think. last thing I think would be great to go through would be just the actual launch process. So how did you plan um, getting your episodes out there? How much did you have in a can? What were your kind of promotion techniques through that process? So once I had the brand, I'm lucky because I do have, uh, I I own a design company, so I was able to kick the guys into touch and say, can you brand me, please? (laughs) So once I'd done the branding, once I'd done the website design, once we built the website, I had a really, really strong plan for hitting iTunes new and noteworthy here in the UK. Um, So the way that that worked was, I knew I wanted to launch with six episodes released. So on launch day, six episodes hit the release uh, Sorry, it hit the RSS feed, and they were launched all at once. So I I already had another maybe 15, 20 in the can ready to go on that one, so it meant I could focus on the promotion side. What I then did was basically I went around with my begging cap to everyone that I knew that enjoyed the show and said, please, please, please review me on iTunes. And I think I ended up with 40 UK reviews and um, not that many, maybe about five or six in the US as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, really went went out hard at that one. And then I did a little bit of press 
which is interesting. So okay. what you can do is you can sign up to things like Gorkana, uh, G-O-R-K-A-N-A, mm-hmm. and Entertainment Media, I believe. Basically, these are press release houses, and what they do is they put you in front of PR companies. Um, it's all free, mm-hmm. and you can just you can just look for people either to be interviewees or for people that want to feature you as from a press release perspective. So I got a couple of those out there um, and really just told everyone, really just shouted quite loud. It's a terrible way of marketing, really, but it, it really, really worked. And for me, it was the only way to do it because no one, no one would have a reason to listen to this podcast unless I told them how good it was. That's in a, in a sea of different podcasts out there, the only way is if someone tells you it's good. So I just shouted at the, as many people as I knew and asked them to shout at as many people they knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really worked. It really did. Yeah. So the word of mouth was the primary first one, certainly. Massively, yeah, absolutely. And then the second thing is uh, doing things like this, Colin, as you know, it's just guesting on other people's podcasts. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm a really big advocate of is, is that cross-promotion. I've I've never come across an industry that is as open and as supportive as the podcasting industry. It's fantastic. So what I always encourage is if anyone wants to send me their audio promos, 30 seconds, I will feature on Excellence Expect. And likewise, I send those out and people feature that audio promo on their podcast. So that's a really powerful way of doing it as well. Yeah, partnerships, definitely. Yeah, that works really well. Um, I'm interested in the press release stuff there, actually. You mentioned Gorkana and Entertainment Media. Did you get much... um, or did you track them so you could see whether they were particularly successful? Um, yes and no. Um, PR, because of the nature of that kind of PR, it's sometimes quite difficult to get any decent metrics on it. Um, all they'll give you is um, this is how many column inches you got and this is the this is the supposed exposure. However, I'm a big fan of using Bitly. Um, yeah. All my URLs are shortened via Bitly and I've got a custom link uh, URL. So I've got xx.link, which is my own URL shortener. Um, and what I did was with that one was I set up a specific URL through Bitly, and then that was the only URL that I sent out to those PR companies. Um, so any, any links that came, sorry, any traffic that came via that link, I knew had to be from the PR. Um, and that was a way, a really powerful way of tracking that, actually. And it worked really well from a PR perspective. I'd urge anyone to try that and sign up for free because, it, and this actually still remains, but the, the traffic is really high quality. The bounce rates in my first week, and I've never seen this before, and I, I'm a web marketer, I've never seen this before, the bounce rate was less than 1%. Across the, it was stunning. Um, and I put that down to the quality of the releases and the quality of um, the content on the site. So yeah, if, if you manage that launch, if you really think about where you want to go, think about, okay, yes, I might want to do a press release or target Gokana, but is there any sense in doing a shotgun approach? Let's really niche down, as you said earlier, and let's figure out who I want to target, when I want to target them. And if you do that, your launch can be so powerful. Yeah, great. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those old school methods that, um, you know, you know, from 10 years ago, but actually I don't know if it's used much these days. And actually it took a bit of a hammering in uh, a lot of the SEO press, didn't it, around digital marketing in general. Just the fact that if people thought that Google were devaluing press releases and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're getting a lot of traffic from it, it doesn't matter how it's valued in the searches. That's what you're looking for, isn't it, listeners? Oh, absolutely. I think the the, the big problem with, with the Google side of things is that you had places like Ezine and, and Article Farms that were just spinning content out and people taking old articles, re-spinning them through software and chucking them back out for, for backlinks, which was not very good. But yeah. a well-placed press release on something that really matters 
can really be massively beneficial. And the one thing that I would say as well, just to, to finish up on that, I know we're short on time, but to finish up on that, offer your services to people like the newspapers, people like the Guardian in the UK. If you are an expert in something that they want to peddle, they will allow you to block and create a profile on the Guardian, and one backlink from the Guardian is better than five thousand from a lot of other websites. <laughs> That's yeah, great. Uh, so, how do you go about that then? How would you get in contact with these type of um, outlets? Uh, the easiest thing, believe it or not, is Twitter. To follow okay. the, the relevant people on Twitter and just have the audacity to ask. Just ask, okay. and ninety percent of people will say yes because they're desperate for the content. It's funny that, isn't it? Because you've got all these huge outlets out there, like the Guardian, you say, um, who I would, well, I have to admit, I'd be intimidated to get in touch with them because you think, why would they want to talk to somebody like me, a little guy in his uh, office broadcasting? Um, but you're right. I mean, they they put out so much stuff every every day, every week that they must be gagging for for people to get involved. Actually, oh, absolutely. And at the end of the day, they're all just people. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's that's been really good, actually. I think that's covered the full process of getting from basically uh, implementing your podcast in the very first place, thinking about how it's what form it's going to take, the format, the topic, right up to actually planning the release. I think that's a really good um, coverage of those uh, first few weeks of your podcast journey. So, thanks very much for that. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Colin. And just to take your uh, your tips, I think the actionable tip there would be to uh, get actionable tips into the podcast. <laughs> definitely. Give something Give something tangible. Yeah, definitely. Great. Okay. Well, thanks very much again for joining us. Uh, do you want to tell us, uh, the listeners, where they can find you? What are you? What is it you're uh, working on right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Head on over to excellence-expected.com. Uh, working on a few little bits over there that you'll see, but that's the hub for everything. And you can get hold of me directly on there. I do all my own social media and, and answer all the queries on the website. So anything that you have, excellence-expected.com. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Thank you, Colin. If you want more of everything podcasting, from equipment guides to podcasting courses, head over to thepodcasthost.com. And don't forget to give us some feedback. Leave a comment at podcraft.net or send Colin a tweet at the podcast host. Thanks for listening.